You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love Pour Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. All dreams come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All dreams come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And that is from Walt Disney. And they, did he start out, like, small and work his way all the way up from living in a room over a house or in a church to what Walt Disney and Disney land have become today. All dreams come true if we have the courage to pursue them. And I want to welcome you, whether you're one of our loyal listeners who've been with us we, we over 15 years, you guys. We've been on the sh- on the air over 15 years, or this is your first time tuning in to Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, I want to let you know that you are listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. Welcome to this March, March the 6th. You know what I was just thinking yesterday and earlier this week. I said, oh, my goodness, we are already in March. So if you have a goal, a dream you want to come to, you better start pursuing it right, right, right now, because time just keeps on moving and moving. But I want to thank you again for joining us, and we have an insightful and talented author on deck for you for today's Off the Shelf, and I'm excited to introduce you to her, but I want to let you know about two books. One is Awaken Awareness of Inner Love, and this is something that I say and that I've experienced in my life, different ups and downs I've gone through. If you don't practice daily self-love techniques, it could be listening to soothing music you enjoy, not music that gets you too amped up, but soothing music you enjoy, enjoying a, a nice warm bubble bath, a walk, a bike ride, floating in the pool in the summertime, hanging out with a friend, reading a good book, something that really relaxes you, live theater that you enjoy. If we don't do several like self-love techniques, techniques a day, there there could be something that comes in your life, a crisis, you don't even have a clue that's coming that could wipe you out. So I, I really encourage people uh, to get a copy of Awaking Blessings of Inner Love. This is real-life practical techniques that have been tried and proven. Also, for those who love fiction and novels, I keep asking you guys how good of a mystery sleuth are you, but Starting today, I'm on. There's a new book, Rosetta, the Talent Show Queen, and it's a, a young adult book, really for middle school age kids. Rosetta is 10 years old, a spunky, pigtailed girl attending Harriet Tubman School, and what she has up her sleeve for the biggest day at the school, the talent show. And I can remember when we had talent shows when we were kids, and the auditorium is packed with students and teachers and administrators, and if they do good, they're going to perform for the whole city. And she really would love to outdo her brainy arch nemesis, Jennifer. But what happens if everything doesn't go according to plan? For those of you who have kids, you or you're a teacher, you have a grandchild, a child, you you have a niece or a nephew, I encourage you to get a copy of Rosetta, the talent show queen. It just came out. And if you don't see it, it's an e-book and in print. If you don't see it, you can just ask the store clerk for a copy of Rosetta, the talent show queen by Denise Turney, and they can get you a copy. 
And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And i got to bring her on live. And our special guest this morning is, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, and if I'm not, I hope she corrects me. Uh, our special off-the-shelf guest this morning is Katia Reed, and Katia is a multi-artist, and we'll go into more of that during today's show. She has a background in dance, including jazz and classical ballet. Her first poem was published when she was in the fourth grade. She had also played percussion and studied music. She graduated from Leslie University with a Bachelor of Arts degree in animation. She has also studied and worked in fashion and attended the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts and Acting Studio. And additionally, Katia is the author of the book, The Foretold Story, a debut novel that is part of a four-part book series. Please check Ms. Katia. I want to spell her first name, K-A-T-A-I. Her last name is Reed, R-E-E-D, in case you guys want to search on her. But please check uh, Katia out online at thefortoldstory.com, and that is T-H-E-F-O-R-E-T-O-L-D-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Again, that's T-H-E-F-O-R-E-T-O-L-D-S-T-O-R-Y.com, the foretold story, four with an E after it. TheForetoldStory.com. We are absolutely honored to have Miss Katiri join us on Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Katia. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, honored to have you on the show. I hope I'm saying your name right. I, when I after 15 years, I do I do Off the Shelf, and I always tell the guests if I'm not saying your name right, correct me, correct me, please. Or if I get something else wrong, please correct me. But it sounds like I got that one right, and what a beautiful name. It's it's a pleasure to have you here on Off the Shelf as one of our legendary guests. Um, I want to just tell you at the beginning, the first four questions I ask, the first three or four I ask every guest, so our listeners can get a little backstory on the guests before we launch right into their books and other works that that they're doing. So to kick it off, Miss Katia, can you tell off the shelf listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> My life was very interesting. Well, it is very okay. interesting, actually. Um, I kind of grew up more so in New England for the most part, which would be uh, like um, in the main area, though I'm originally from New York. Um, I come from very small and humble beginnings. Um, I'm a survivor of um, a lot of things. Um, my family survived domestic violence, which is pretty a, a fascinating story in itself. And, um, well, here I am today. <laughs> okay. I, now, are you, and I, I, I ask our guests this too as well, because I think it makes a difference when you have, like you said, with growing up with domestic violence, and some of us did have challenges at, in, in our childhood. But when you have siblings, the brothers and sisters, that you can ping things off of, you can see how are they responding and reacting to it. I'm told psychologically that's helpful 
Where if you're only child, you only have your one perception to to compare and contrast what you're experiencing with. Were you an only child, or did you have brothers and sisters who you grew up with? Oh no, I have siblings. You know what? A lot of times we don't realize it, uh, but that is a huge blessing. Because again, you have other people to ping things off of to to see that you're not the only one going through this. It's just very helpful, whatever you're going through in life, to have somebody else to say, oh, I'm not the only one in this boat. Now, as a kid, Katia, what did you yeah. want to be when you what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you dream of becoming when you were a little girl? Well, my my dream was to be an artist and work for Disney. That was oh my goodness, I was that on time with that quote and I had no idea. Oh my goodness. Talk about oh and time. Okay. What did you want to do for Disney? Did you want to do like animation for their movies or stories and really amazing art? That was my dream. I mean, on my first book, um, that really Spelled me into book. books, actually, was uh, the one that my sister got one day from the library. It was a Disney book. It was a very thick one. It was like a biopic kind of book, and it was very, like, link, link, long in language and everything. So I read it, and I was, like, four or five years old. I believe I was four. But I read it, and I was, it had his, like, stories from the very early beginnings when he had, um, what's that, Oz World? It was like this bunny that he did, but then it got stolen, and it went through his whole career all the way up to Beauty and the Beast. And I was just, wow, this is, this guy is amazing. <laughs> you know, wow. like, I want to do stuff like him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you and you you did pursue it, as our quote said. You went to the the the, uh, the school in New York, and you also. Not only your 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 dance background, but uh, at Leslie University, you 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 graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Animation. Then you went on to the New York Conservatory for Dramatic Arts. So you did pursue, uh, you did start to pursue your dream early. What, who, or what inspires you to pursue writing? You, you Walt Disney. You saw that you wanted to work for for the Walt Disney the business. But who or who or what inspired you to pursue writing? Where did that love for writing come from? Uh, like all of my art, it was just the way I could express myself, and my mom always nurtured that. And I would always write about my days, diaries about my days. I had so many dreams and visions, so I would write those down and, and write little stories of my own. Um, but I never really, honestly, I never noticed the writing gift and so much later I never thought I would be writing a book actually it just kind of just happened it just happened <laughs> but like what? at the age of nine was when my my vision the over the larger vision for my book series was birth called Gordon's Quest so I worked on that throughout the years and it just manifested into this it's a life of its own and out of that series came the foretold storybook series which I continued writing and then like my college professor when I was at Leslie University um, took an interest in my writing and he would like read excerpts of little stories I'd write to the class and he's like you should really like you should try writing and I'm like nah I want to be a Disney animator but it's so crazy because 
I wanted to do like certain things and it just never happened that way. And then I ended up doing a whole lot of things that I never thought I'd be doing, like what I'm presently doing right now. But like the whole thing was like, I wanted to originally be a Disney animator, but I think this is so far cooler than that. <laughs> you know what? So, so what would you say to us? So you did pers- start pursuing your dream, then you went down a different path. So two questions. You, you watched the story on Walt Disney, and you were just fascinated with him. What, did you see that be a similar experience for him, that he initially wanted to do one thing and then was sort of led down a different path? So that's the first question. And the second one is, you said you initially wanted to do animation, and now you're doing this. What, what advice? First, let me, let me let you answer the first question, then I, then I have a second one. Is that what happened to Walt Disney? Did he start out with one ambition or dream and then it kind of steered him down a different path when you, when you uh, read about him or studied him? Uh, I would say for him, he, he didn't really stray off the path because he was still animating from the get-go. Like, that was what he was doing, like, when he was, out of his garage doing animations and things like that. And it just kind of followed him and grew. He came out with Mickey Mouse, and Mickey Mouse is kind of what really set the stage for what we see today of Disney World, this massive Disney empire where the mouse, like, runs 85% of entertainment, which is crazy. You look at this guy who, who started out with just, you know, it all started with an idea. And his idea was he wanted to draw and animate, and so he kind of got that. His was a, I would say, straightforward. For me, my path is a is a little different, but it all ties what, in at the end of everything. So, what would you say to somebody who, uh, you said what you initially wanted to do, and I, this wasn't a question I had intended to ask you, but what what would you say to somebody, an off the shelf listener who's frustrated and thinking about maybe saying their dream just not going to happen. And I've heard stories of people whose lives have really uh, gone into a bad place where they've just given up on a dream. They just It's just not going to happen for me. They they knock on the door. They want something to happen. It doesn't happen, and then they just totally give up on their whole life. What would you say to somebody who starts out pursuing a dream and, and, and they go to knock on the door and the door closes? And they might have a degree, and and the, but the door won't swing open. What would you say to them, as you've seen other doors open for you, what would you say to somebody who's put a lot in, invested a lot in something, but it's just not seeming to work? I would say, firstly, you can't see all the, you can't see the larger picture, you know, the bigger piece. You can't see the bigger picture outside the little puzzle pieces that you get. There is a reason why you're here and there's a reason for everything you do and there's a reason for why you have that dream inside of you and you're the only one who can do it. Um, I would say trust. Well, for me, I trusted God because, you know, at times your faith is going to be tested. Everything's going to come up against you. It's going to tell you no, 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 no. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then your situation might come and tell you that you can't do this and you can't do that. But you got to say, no, I'm going to rise. I'm going to gear up. I'm going to armor up. I'm going to get a thick skin, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because it's in me to do it. It's your vision. It's your dream. You need to do it. And on top of that, it's not even so much 
yes, the dream is part of a bigger dream. You don't, you don't see it. It doesn't make sense, but it all will make sense later. Um, it's like I always tell this to everyone. What my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Robbins, told me, and I'm going to continue telling it because it's so important, and it literally, like, it helped me. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand things. At times, even to this day, I still don't understand things, but it's about making your mark. It's that legacy. It's what you are leaving behind in this world. And, and what you do, everything you do, it's going to touch someone. We're all connected. We're all connected. And, and it's, you know, your work and what you have to give is for, it's a, it's a sign to certain people in this world. It's going to give them strength. It's going to give them light. It's going to give them hope, and they're going to keep going. So you, my darling, cannot, cannot, cannot give up. You <laughs> pursue that dream. I need it. I believe in you. I don't know you. Okay, Katia. I'm you guys. Do it. Motivational it. speaker on deck. Okay, Katia. <laughs> and thank you for what you're sharing. You know what? And I've, we've had so many guests on. If, if our listeners went back and listened to every show on Off the Shelf, they would be so empowered and so blessed. As you hear people sharing their own real-life experiences, and all some have had to flee a country due to, due to unrest in a country. We've had all types of guests. On, but they've mm. they've gone on to 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 pursue their dream and have realized some 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 they've had some of it come to pass because they didn't quit. So I want to ask you, getting back to want to talk about your book and 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 your and your uh, your your work in different parts of the arts. But to so to get back, how have you used animation? That was your initial dream. How have you used animation <laughs> to strengthen? to strengthen your overall storytelling, because that's visual. So how has that helped you with your storytelling? Well, um, it just helps me to be able to convey the message or the feeling I want people to feel. Um, I've used it to the best of my abilities with myself, because I don't have a whole team of animators or anything. It's just me. So... I uh, I just use it whenever I need it to to get my message across or to get my my point across of whatever I'm trying to do or say or convey. But that's art as a whole. I mean, art in all of its forms is my way of communicating. When I feel I need to do it, I take out certain tools in my tool bucket, if you call it, and I use it for whatever objective I need to get closer to the goal. And you know what's interesting, what's interesting, graphic novels, graphic adult novels are starting to sell more. So that is a that animation skill might really come in, or just the sketching might come really, really pay off for you over the next coming years. What was it like, before we start talking about the forward story, what was it like attending the New York Conservatory? What was that experience like? You know, they're very strict. That was a very strict place compared to my my previous university where I was at Wesley and 
that was more of like, you know, we're not your parents, but you're going to like do your work and you're responsible for your studies. And if you don't get your studies done, that's on you. This class, well, at the New York Conservatory, if you're even one minute late, you get locked out of the class. I, I remember so many times we would be running from the train station and we'd be looking at the clock and we're like, oh, we only got like one minute. We might not make it. <laughs> we'd run out of breath. Oh and there was a few times I got locked out, so I had to like, I would lay on my stomach and listen under the door so I could catch oh all the, the lessons for the acting. But that was to teach you discipline and respect, much like ballet, you know, which I love. Um, it was to respect the times when you're on a set. Because that school deals more with acting and film. So, you know, showing up to the set on time, being prepared, knowing your lines, um, all of that stuff was was very uh, something else. It was a little hard at first, too, because I experienced some bullying from um, classmates. But in the end, we we all became friends, which was amazing. And uh, we... uh, (laughs) <laughs> there they were I worked with some I met some very amazing people through that and experiences and it just only more so tempered me to just kind of navigate personalities and stay humble and yeah. never bitter always be forgiving and keep working hard keep okay. working hard very good can you share this is off the shelf we've had um We've had a movie producer on that does like regional films that are you know on the and on the uh, on the screens on regional, not across the nation. But I don't know how many. We've had an actress who who, who was on the show maybe a couple of months ago, but we don't have a lot of people in the movie industry or film or live stage on off the shelf. Most are just strictly book writers. So can you share yeah. for our listeners who might be curious, what's it like acting? In a in a theatrical production or acting studio class, what what is that experience like? Not just going to the school, but actually acting. What 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 is that experience like of storytelling? I'm told it's a lot of waiting, but what is in between doing you know t- t- uh, takes? What what is that experience like? Actually acting. What is acting like? Yes. Like the the experience. Well, yes, act- it's. Um, it's really, you know what, I'm going to just say, acting is like being that kid on the playground that can turn the playground into a pirate ship, or it can be turned into a rocket ship, and you're an astronaut in it. So, it's just, you can be anything you want. All you have to do is just believe and imagine, what if, what if I was a doctor? What if I was? that business executive what if I was you know a pirate you 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 become it you just you just are and that's another way of expressing too you know and that's to be an actor though it takes some it takes some courage well any kind of area in the arts it takes courage to do because you're kind of standing up there putting your soul out for the world to see Uh, um so that's a little it takes courage to do it I've done it. I'm a very shy person. I'm very, very shy. <laughs> um, I have to, but when I get on stage, you know, it, it's fun. You just another you part just of you. Do it. And yeah, you, you hear that? I've seen I've seen movies about 
people who go to act, acting, up-and-coming actors. I actually saw a documentary where a guy was filming himself and what all he gave to try to, uh, uh, it sounds real easy, and some people, I guess they could say it's luck. Somebody just sees you and says, hey, and you just want to make sure they're not taking advantage of you in any shape or form. But it yeah. looks like acting looks tough, 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 which leads into to make it in the industry. I don't I don't mean just acting and being a good actress or actor, but to really earn an income from it. Uh, I wanted to ask you, like, I don't know if you can share this, but some of the students, if you can't give their names, maybe some of the, uh, that have done like TV series, this, your classmates who you were in the New York Conservatory with, and some of them go on to do TV sitcoms, major motion films, commercials we see on TV. You don't have to give their oh, names. Yeah. So that's, that's the first question. Some of them. Yep. And then, then I, wanted to piggy, I wanted to piggy tail on that, Katia, with how can we get more diversity? I know there's more uh, focus on that. In the in the in this uh, like the arts, the film, the film and the stage play industries. <laughs> well, diversity is a it's a it's a problem everywhere in all areas of art. But I say if you want to have diversity, simply don't judge a man don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but judge him by his heart and his gift. You know, I mean, people just always, they don't, they just look at the skin color all the time. Can you just acknowledge the person for their craft and and who they are and not their skin color? That would bring more diversity if if more people just thought like that. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, when, you know, I, I was well aware of the whole diversity issue since I was a little girl, nine years old. And, um, you know, I just, I realized, yeah, there's no characters that look like me. It feels horrible um, to be left out, you know. And so I just decided to write my own story. Only thing for me is I don't leave anybody out. Mm. But, you know, it's a, it's a trying test for people. Like, can you just acknowledge someone? And if, if you could just acknowledge people without the skin color, without looking on what's on their outside, just looking at their raw talent and who they are, you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't need, like, diversity or need to announce it or anything because it would just be normal. But I would say if you want it, just do it. Just do and, it. And so you, some of your classmates have gone. They're on commercials. They, they can continue to pursue acting. They're in sitcoms and, and, and in films that we see. You know, oh, yeah. Online. Some of them are. Oh, okay. You know what? The, the, what they say, networking and the contacts, you never know. Like you said, you can't see the whole from the bits. If people, like we were talking about, being frustrated because the door might not be opening, you can't see the whole picture from the bits. And uh, uh, Steve Jobs said this, but when you get to the end of the road and you look back, you go, oh, that, it seems to make sense. And maybe even then we don't understand it. But it seems to make sense when it all starts to come together. Like, oh, I know why that. I can see where that connected with this. So now, 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 to the knit and the grit of what we're here for. Can you give off the shelf <laughs> with Katia an overview of the foretold story? 
Before I Told Story is about a young man named Midas, and he has a big dream to work for this renowned tech company. It's like the crown jewel of technology called the Skyscraper Empire, and that's located in the heart of New York City. And he's just had the worst bad things that just keep happening to him, and he's got this dream, and he keeps trying to pursue it, and, and strange and unusual occurrences happen to him, everything from, like, supernatural things to, like, just unknown and strange events where he just can't seem to get a leg up and move ahead. Um, And unbeknownst to him, he kind of gets caught up into these uh, higher principal principalities of the world, if you will, that run everything. And they're kind of manipulating his life in a lot of ways, and he doesn't really realize it. And then... On top of that, there's an even greater battle of good versus evil going on between two celestial entities. So it's like this massive, epic thing going on here that our young Midas goes through. But that's pretty much the gist of the story without spoiling anything. (laughs) Where did the idea for the foretold story come from? Where did that, where did you get the idea? It came from life and life's unusual encounters that happened in my life on top of, like, again, my dreams and visions, the dreams I would dream in the night and the adventures and the visions by day that I would have and kind of that all factored into this foretold story and what we see of the foretold story, which is the prequel series to the larger series, Gordon's Quest. And you said you started on that when you were nine years old. Wow, yeah. fascinating. And so you just kept launching out that story until now you decided, kind of like with the Star Wars, doesn't the, uh, the, that book doesn't go from the actual events, book one, the big two. The, it, it, book three might really be the beginning of the story. And so it sounds similar with what you're doing with the foretold story. Now, how far into the future is the story set and why did you choose this particular time period? Um, it's pretty far in the future. I would say uh, that's a good question. It's in the future, but it's not too far in the future where there's, like, Star Trek, like, spacecraft kind of things. There's still, like, you know, the primitive elements, and then there's the the advanced elements of technology, primitive and advanced. Um. But as the story goes, the technology progresses and the world keeps building with that technology into the larger story, Gordon's Quest, which then you see the full glory of the future world and what your what New York City is really going to look like, what I think it's going to look like um, a couple of years. Well, maybe not a couple, maybe like 100 years from now. <laughs> wow. You know what? I, I, I was watching a show and it was – uh, kind of like science-based, based on technology we have, what's being worked on now, like this self-driving cars, cars that can actually drive like the Jetsons where you're driving in the air. And they said that is that is possible and you won't have a lot of uh, cars crashing each other. But like that's, they see it, I think, within 30 to 50 years, we'll, we will be doing that. But it kind of sounds like when you look at technology and what's going on, that everything's mm-hmm. changing. It's changing at faster paces. And listening to you t- 
talk about the foretold story. It might sound real sci-fi right now, but when you pay attention to how technology has changed over the last 50 years, it might sound even more realistic. What is the skyscraper? You know, we know it's set in New York, you told us. But what's the skyscraper empire like? Can you physically help us to see what it's like? Who's in control? What 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 is it? Is it a peaceful place? Is there a lot of um, is there a lot of is there a war going on at the opening of the foretold story? What's the skyscraper empire like? The skyscraper empire is it's um it's a company that has advanced super technologies. It's very renowned. It's respected. It's one of the biggest in the world, and it's run by um, Job Skyscraper, who's the um, the owner of it. Uh, they have uh, amazing technologies every year. They're always helping people. Um, he's known for his kindness because he's always, always helping as many people as he can with the technology and, and resources and things like that. So it's very respected, and it's very much envied by a lot of people, and there's a lot of people that want to take it and bring it down. Um, it's the tallest structure in New York City, tallest, beautiful designs, like all the different, the different bridges and, and all the structures. I don't want to give too much of the places away because a lot of it's, um, all of that's in the books to come. The books now, as you feel, get more into the technology aspect and into Gordon's Quest too, where you get to see like the different things that they do. But it's that so is, awesome. Is, is this so the skyscraper empire? Is it in Manhattan? Is it in Manhattan? Yeah. When you say New, okay, it does take place in Manhattan. So okay, we see. I'm thinking Times Square, which is where most tourists spend their time oh, when they um, visit New York City. I'm, I'm imagining is 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 it in that area? Anybody who's been to Manhattan just knows the. the it's not that way now with COVID-19, but generally it's yeah. just loads and loads of people. I've worked in New York, and I'm telling you, it was so many tourists on the sidewalks uh, coming home to take the train uh, home. We would, going through Madison Square Garden, Penn Station, would walk in the edge of the street because the sidewalks were jammed with people. You could hardly get, and you're trying to catch your train home. I mean, New York is just bustling. It was just bustling, bustling with people. So it's in that area. Is that where the story takes place? Um, well, the Skyscraper Empire, it's more located near the Chrysler Building. Like, so that's, um, let's see. I'd say towards like the Fifth Avenue, Bryant Park areas, like down those those streets um, near Lexington Avenue. There you go, Lexington and like Sixth Avenue okay. or Fifth Avenue. So somewhere towards there. But there's different parts of New York we are you're going to, you're going to experience when you read it. Um, as uh, like you see the Metropolitan, which is like awesome. I love that museum. Um, but that's where the Skyscraper Empire's Charity Ball event takes place, and it is so cool, most beautiful um, party that you can attend in a future world in New York City. Um, there's also, that goes into, they, 
they touch Chinatown. You see the subway systems and all kinds of things. So you definitely get that New York experience. And then that whole, like, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> you know, what? that's uh, one thing I appreciate about either historical novels or, like, if you have a futuristic novel, but it is based in, in part on what's really going on in a location, it's a way to experience a, a city, a, to experience a town or a country just through the book. It, and that's one thing I love about those types of, of novels. Now, you, you, introduced, you mentioned him. But could you introduce us a little bit more to Midas Aurelian? What makes him tick? What's his background like? What's his family like? What are his goals? If you could just introduce us to him a little more. So uh, Midas, when you first see him in the story, he's a 17-year-old kid. So it's kind of him navigating through his ends of his high school life into his young adult college life. And beyond into the into the world of, you know, being a, an adult and trying to pursue your dreams. So you get to see him. He uh, he comes from he comes from a, a, a broken home. You know, he has his mother there and his father. His father is not a, a very he's very volatile. His dad. Um, so you know, Midas. Uh, gets into a lot of brows with his father. And that's kind of introduced right into the, the opening sequence of that chapter. Everybody's like, that's so intense. And I'm like, yeah, these things happen in life, and it's happening to Midas. So he's like, he, but he, at the same time, he is so gifted and smart, and he's he feels alone too. Uh, but you, you kind of just, get a sense of who he is. He's a he's an honest, hard working kid who becomes a young man. Is his gift in technology? What where is his gift? What is his, what area is his gift in? Technology. He's also an artist too because he draws a lot. But his gift is the technology. He comes up with concepts and can build them and he knows how to like engineer things. Um, so he's like a he's a little genius that one. Ah, okay. And he's, he's sixteen when the when the story the full told story. Or seventeen. What makes, yeah, he's seventeen what, what makes, when it opens. Oh, seventeen. What makes mm-hmm. Erskine Wells? What makes Erskine such a bad boss? <laughs> because he's so perfectly evil. Oh my ah. goodness. <laughs> Erskine is a horrible man, horrible. And if you ever meet one of these people in life, run. <laughs> oh my goodness! So what is he? Is he selfish? <laughs> is he demanding? What is he? What makes him so? But what makes him so bad? What is it that he does? Does he lie? Does he take a, a credit for other people's work? What makes him such a bad boss? He's just jealous. He's a jealous person, and. It shows, you know, in him and when he is interacting with Midas, the things he just tries to do to sabotage him and bring him down. He's so evil. And for me, like, creating that character Erskine Wells was every bad boss I've ever had in my life went into that <laughs> wicked man. Like, <laughs> but he's just, he's a selfish tyrant. 
And even like the other um, evil people that are in this book don't like him because he's just so evil. Wow. Is the he, evil people clash heads with him. <laughs> is he, well, how old is, how old is Erskine? Midas is 17. How old is Erskine in a star? Is he in the 40s or 50s? Is he he's older? in the 40s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, is Joyce Skyscraper, is she the star of the show? And what, what motivates her? Does she, is she, so Erskine, let me ask you this. Does Erskine, does he own the Skyscraper Empire? No. Does he own he it? Owns, he owns Materia Oil. Oh, okay. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's, 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 a, he's a competitor. I'm going to assume he's like a competitor firm. In some some way to a skyscraper empire is Joyce skyscraper. Does she is she like one of the senior leaders at skyscraper empire? Is she the star of the show and the forward t- story? And what motivates her? She is. She comes into play a little later, um, and she's the heiress to the skyscraper empire. So when you first meet her, you kind of get an idea, like, okay, here's this this young woman and she's just naive as a naive as Midas. So that's what makes these two so funny together because they're just naive adulting. <laughs> but um, she comes into play a little later. Uh, her character is very adventurous because uh, she's kind of lived a sheltered life. So she kind of emerges out of her shell when when she comes into the story and, and interacts with these different characters, especially when she meets Maida. Ah. How old is Joyce? Is she 17 when she's, you know, Maida's is 17. I'm assuming they're close in age. Oh, no, because the years progress. He doesn't meet her till they're in their 20s. She's, uh, let's see. Uh, uh. Hang on. <laughs> She's in her early twenties when they meet, or mid twenties. They're young. They're yeah. both young when they meet. So, it, mm-hmm. and and you said she was protected. So there's a lot she doesn't know. And then he's young, so he's learning about about the world. And I guess even the skyscraper empire. Even though he's he's genius, he comes up with these incredible ideas. Now, who started the skyscraper scraper empire, and why did they start the firm? Well, it was started by Job. I can't, uh, I can't really say too much about it because that's in the next book coming out. Um, okay. About like the origins and who built it and where it comes from, but there's a really awesome story behind that too, with uh, which goes more into Job, the father of Joyce's dad. So that's pretty. He's a, he's essentially he's a genius too. He's like the Tony Stark of. Everything. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ah, interesting. So, what broke what broke Midas's mother's spirit, and and what is she like? When does she when is she introduced in the foretold story, and what is she like when readers first meet her? You first meet her right in those that opening chapter, with that intense scene between Midas and his dad. Um, so she's a she's a fragile, broken spirited woman. She loves her family, but it's just so toxic. It's toxic. And but she um 
most of people that read and continue reading get mad at me <laughs> because of um, what transpires for, for Adele. And then, again, in the next book coming, um, you get more of Adele's backstory and how, like, she ties into all of the bigger story. Everything's so intricately connected. <laughs> uh, okay. Now, who were your favorite characters to create, and why were they s- such fun for you to create? My favorite character? Well, I liked them all. I enjoyed them all. But I would have to say for today, right now, in this moment, I'd say Sicario. <laughs> Ah. Right now, Sicario, he's so funny. No, actually, I changed my mind. Maybe Dinny. I like Dinny. Oh, I can't pick. Okay, but just for the sake of this, I'll just say, can I just pick two for today? Sure. Who were your favorite characters, plural, and and why did you like these characters so much? I thought you were going to say Midas, but who were like your favorite characters, plural? Who were your favorites? I love them all, but for right now in this moment, I would say Sicario, because he's just really funny. Um, wait, well, I don't want to give the story away, but his part is so funny. He's like, um, he's one of those characters that show up a little later, but he's just so, he's like a fanatic, and he's just, oh my goodness. He's just this funny guy. I can't explain it. You just have to kind of read it. Um, and then we've got Dinny. I love Dinny. Dinny is uh, kind of comes at the magical moments of the book. So this book is like a cinematic multi-genre sci-fi fantasy. I made it up because I feel like there's no real genre for it. Um, ah. And everyone's like, oh, it's one thing and one thing. So I'm like, I'm going to call it a cinematic multi-genre sci-fi fantasy because it has a little bit go. of everything. <laughs> so, and each of these, like, you know, it's got that thriller suspense, the fantasy, the sci-fi, the drama, the slice of life, the happy moments, the horror side. But then he comes at a magical moment in the book where um, she exists in the, another place called the celestial realm. Um, and she's this so beautiful, dark-skinned being that's up in those heavenly places. So she's really phenomenal, and she's kind of inspired by my aunt. <laughs> my aunt and my mom put together. Oh. Um, her nickname is Wisdom. And she's okay. got like, this big old afro. It's so beautiful. <laughs> You know, the more, this is one thing I love about Off the Shelf. The more the author talks about her, his book, the more interesting the story becomes. You know what I tell authors is, I had, we had an author on once. She kept saying, no, I don't want to tell, I don't want to give No, I don't want to tell. I said, no, you don't have to give the story away, but you have to tell enough about the story as you're doing to make the reader interested or to make them even want to buy your book. You can't just not tell them anything and say the title yeah. of the book and go out and buy it. You you have to give them enough information to make them want to read the story. So, And the more people talk about their books on Off the Shelf, I can feel it even in myself. I'm like, other stories becoming more and more interesting as the author shares more about the story. 
had you always, Katia, had you always intended to make this a four-part a four-part series, and then I have to ask you this as well, because you started on the the story itself when you were nine, and then it just became the four-part story later. Have you ri- already written multiples of the book? I know authors who do that. Had it you always intended to make it a four-part series, and have you already written two or more p- books in the series? Uh. Well, I never intended it to be a, a four-part, but the first book was way too long, so I had to cut it into parts. So that's why book one is part one cut into two parts, <laughs> too long. Um, but I, I never, I never really, I never really thought it would be a, a book series. Honestly, it just again, it just happened that way, and. I hope that answered the question. What was the other uh, question? <laughs> you, 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 oh, oh, had you already written and you answered it? The first book was so long you broke it into two parts, but I find that interesting. You never intended to make it a series. Series books are so popular now as an author. When you're thinking about how you're going to generate income, you say, well, if I write a six-part book series and somebody wants to keep up with all of the story, I just sold six books to one person. If you write a standalone book, it's harder to sell six books to one person. In a series, it's a little easier. And that's why you see a whole lot of series books out now, because if you write a 10-part series, that's 10 books to one person. You're, 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 the, the, the likelihood of you selling more books just goes up, 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 rather than if you write just standalone books. I generally write standalone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Rosetta's are going to be a series, but... The foretold story, as you described, is 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 a, a, a cinematic type novel. Are there plans, Katia, to turn the story into a movie? Oh well, it's you know that whole thing about you don't things don't make sense. You just get like little puzzle pieces and you just start putting things together. Well, originally it was just you know the larger story, Gordon's Quest, which is currently right now in the form of movie script. Um, wow. That was my intent. So all these years when I was working on my, my stories and just developing them, and I was also doing, getting my education and things like that and trying to uh, overcome the challenges of life, I was creating <laughs> and manifesting. Yeah, life was, man, I had some rocky moments. Oh. <laughs> but that, a lot of those moments went into my books and my characters, so it was great. Um, but it's like all these, you know, my my goal originally when I was a kid was to be that Disney animator, but things just didn't happen that way for me. I ended up kind of wearing all caps of everything, you know. I I became that director and directed. I became that writer and wrote. I became that artist and drew. And I became that musician and composed. I became everything. And I manifested all of this, this, this work, this body of work, this entity with, with a greater vision, which is the Gordon's Quest motion pictures, which was the original goal. The foretold story was never really a goal. It just kind of happened. It just happened, you know. And the, my whole thing is it wasn't really so much about the money aspect. It was just about that mark, what I want to say to the world, what I want to leave behind in the world. You know, that was the more of the goal for me. 
You know what? I wish you the best, and I hope it's Gordon's work because I would love to look out for it and be just tickled. And, you know, I I tell some of our guests, we've had guests on one who was on CNN, TV One, and one who has a regional uh, radio show, actually two, and to see guests who've been on this show, some I I turn on TV, I'm like, oh, my God, or just to see somebody take off. And so if I see the name of this Book, I say, movie, I say, oh my God, we interviewed Katia Reed. It's Gordon's Quest. I have to keep yeah. my eyes out for that. Who knows? In two or three years, I might look up and see an ad for a movie called Gordon's Quest, produced or directed by Katia Reed. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Gordon's <laughs> Quest. Now, what, Katia, have readers been saying about the foretold story? What have you been hearing from readers about the book? I some people like you know they they said they had and like highs and lows with emotions up and down and they really felt for Midas. A lot of them said they see themselves in a lot of these characters or they see people that they know in their life. That reminds them like a lot of people again they all they'll be like I know Erskine Wells because I have an Erskine Wells in my life or they're like. I'm a Midas because I have had so many things that this kid went through. Like, I feel it, and I'm there. And then, you know, they love the, the vividness of the story because I'm so descriptive. Um, I was always a detailed person in my writing, so it, it spills out into these books. I, and then they're like, it's like you're right there, and you can see everything so perfectly. Um, and then I just get a lot of... Uh, a lot of moments where, <laughs> where people get mad at me for something that happened to the character. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That that comes with, yes, like why did you let that happen? Why didn't you, yes, <laughs> we just want a certain outcome, and then it, sometimes they don't get it. But I think that keeps the reader connected to the story, especially if, like, you got a four-part oh, yeah. four story. So they don't know exactly what's coming next. Can you share... I hear your enthusiasm, your passion for what you do, and then with the, your work in film uh, uh, and acting, the New York Conservatory, you said the reader sees, they can visually see the story unfolding, which I think is powerful. Can you share three to four steps, Katia, that you found to be effective as we come down to the last few minutes of the day's show, can you share three to four steps that you found to be effective at getting the word out about your stories? You just got to keep telling about it. Keep talking about it. Talk about it. <laughs> Post about it. Um, and just don't stop talking about it and keep reaching out and don't give up. It's not going to happen overnight. These things take time, but to get the word out, you just have to keep doing, keep doing. And, you know, even if you only get like two readers or five readers, it's still adding up and you don't see the bigger picture again because these things take time. You have a little seed here you're planting in the ground so it takes time for it to grow. So be patient and don't compare yourself to others. That's a no-no. For one, you don't know the price they paid for what they have. And two, um, that's just a hindrance. Yeah. Always look yeah. for better. Yes. Yeah. Oh, in business. Yes. 
authors should learn business mm. numbers and understand your demographics. Be a businessman. Talk to a person that that deals with business and all those kind of marketing things. You know, I've had to kind of become that too. I didn't think I would be. I thought I was just going to be a Disney animator. I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> I'm a business person too I gotta take off the author cap And put on my business cap And you know Learn about business And making and selling And understanding How do you how do you market this book You know what can you do with it There's only so many many ways you can sell a book Now you gotta be a little creative And think of things you never thought And And, you'll get results and I think being creative is one way where you, where you heard, like, people with poetry doing the spoken word. That's that's one way when you're creative and you get out front, if you get enough traction, that's one way that you could launch. Mm-hmm. And then another thing I'm learning is uh, some people really go big with just a few books. And that's, I'm thinking back to the classics, the James Baldwin's and the uh, uh, poetry, Gwendolyn Brooks. But it's changed so much, the the literary industry has changed so much that now mm-hmm. you have to keep publishing at least one or two books a year. That's what I'm hearing to really pick up. And people who do that, they go on to make a lot of money, sell a lot of books. They love what they're doing, and they can do it full time. But the days of doing one book every five years might be over, unless you unless you like J.K. Rowling in that book. But even she came out with more and more stories, so you have to keep coming out with more and more books. That mm-hmm. is a great, that's a great marketing yeah. tip, you guys. I'm telling you, you have to keep coming out with new material. Now, we coming. Be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, so, I didn't mean to speak. <laughs> you said we must be, you were saying we must be. Oh, stay true to yourself, you know. Ah, yeah. Just stay true yeah. to yourself and, and your and your work, and don't be afraid to learn something new. Try something new. Maybe you should try an acting class, writers, because that's a good way to understand dialogue and just to ah. really put yourself in those characters' shoes. I have all around art art background, which I think helped me to develop this product. So be don't be afraid to dive into those things. Interesting. Interesting. Work that brain. Mm-hmm. Interesting, very interesting. Where can off the shelf listeners get a copy of the foretold story? Uh, well, they can get it at Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, Books a Million. I also have direct uh, links on the foretold story website, theforetoldstory.com. There in the Read It Now tab is the direct okay. link to the books as well. Do you have any upcoming speaking engagements? I love your energy, your passion. Can you let our listeners know about a few, even that we know we're in the virtual world, but if you have any upcoming speaking engagements, can you share a few of those with us? Um, well, I know I have a speaking engagement with the Noble, uh, Noble Knights High School Podcast, which I've never okay. spoken to high school kids, so this should be an interesting experience to share with them, and I'm going to be telling them some funny stories, <laughs> the things they don't tell you when you become an adult. <laughs> okay, okay. Awesome. I think that is awesome. Yeah. That, so that's open to the to the high school. Kudos to you for that. 
Uh, and then I also Thanks. wanted to ask you, let us know if you have any other upcoming speaking engagements. And where can off-the-shelf listeners find you on social media? Um, they could find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, again, at the foretoldstory.com website has all the social media links. Um, it's also interlinked with my other websites like gordonsquest.net, so you can also find me there, or vscene.net, which is my artist page, all interlocked on thefortoldstory.com. So, yeah, you can find me there. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. I I'm, I'm wish you the best with your virtual high school event. I'm sure you are going to be a lot of fun. Those kids are really going to love you. We have ha- had the absolute pleasure of having Katia Reed. She is a multi-artist. She has a background in dance, including jazz and classical ballet. She published her first poem when she was only in the fourth grade. She's also played percussion and studied music. And she graduated from Leslie University with a Bachelor of Arts in Animation. And she also worked at New York Conservatory. If you came in midstream, you go back and listen to the show in its entirety when it goes into the archives, and you can listen to some of what she talked about attending the New York Conservatory. Especially, you had to be on time, so she told us about And you can learn more about how she created and the, the thought process behind the creation of the foretold story. Katia Reed is online, and I encourage you to visit her online at theforetoldstory.com, and that's T H E. F-O-R-E-T-O-L-D-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Again, that's T-H-E-F-O-R-E-T-O-L-D-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Katia, K-I-T-I-A, read if you want to Google her or search her. Thank you so much, Katia, for being here with us. Really enjoyed having you here talking about the foretold story and your other arts. And just amazing coincidence that we started with the Walt Disney quote. You got to go after your dreams. It's March the March the sixth. There's no time to waste. Go after your dreams. And if a door doesn't open like Katia, she's living proof. You might be led down a different road, but don't give up and keep going. Come back next Saturday. We have another awesome guest for you. 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Off the Shelf Books Talk. Radio, and as I always tell you, you really, really, really are amazing. You are awesome. You are phenomenal. Go out and and create a wonderful day for yourself today. Katia, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye for now.